Well, as I mentioned, when uh, we finished the book of Romans, that I was uh, praying about what to do next, and uh, the request line was open, and many of you had mentioned uh, what your choice would be uh, when it comes to uh, what book of the Bible we would go through next together as a church here on Sunday mornings, and as I thought about it and prayed about it and studied and listened to the various input from all of you, um, I may have mentioned this already, I can't remember, it's been a while, I've slept since then, but um, I've landed on the book of First and Second Peter and excited about um, getting into those books together, the kind of a duo, as you know, First and Second Peter, but starting with First Peter, and so uh, the commentaries are on their way. And uh, we have uh, just been researching and looking to find the very best resources uh, that will help me uh, in my study of that uh, great uh, two books there in the New Testament. And so, Lord willing, we'll be launching into a new uh, study, uh, an exposition of First and Second Peter uh, here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, in the meantime, uh, these next couple of weeks are... Uh, crucial in that we have a lot of big things uh, happening in the life of our church, the things that are critical to the life of our church that I thought would be uh, important to address and, and really use these next couple of Sundays to, to cast some vision and to recast some vision, uh, just to remind us, to stir us up by way of reminder uh, why we're here, what are we doing, why do we have the things that we have, why do we launch the programs that we launch and so uh, I want to talk with you uh, this morning about grow groups, and uh, that is something that we're going to uh, be signing up for here after service today and also after service next Sunday. And so I thought, how could I get us thinking about this from a biblical perspective and uh, really uh, set grow groups in their biblical context for all of us? And so... Over the past few months, you probably have noticed that it's been harder to find a place to park. It's been harder to find a place to sit in here, but uh, that recent surge of attendance is encouraging, for sure, but it's also a bit concerning, to be honest with you. Um, and the reason it causes me concern is because our church has never been about packing pews or packing parking lots. It's been about shepherding souls. And everyone who drives into our parking lot and walks through our doors and sits down in one of these seats is, in our view, a sheep that God has entrusted to our care. Uh, they might be a healthy sheep, they might be a weak sheep, a, a, a wounded sheep, a hurting sheep, a stray sheep, or a lost sheep. Regardless of their condition, they are a sheep in need of a shepherd. I don't know how you view yourself in relationship to the rest of the people that you're sitting around uh, this morning. I don't know how you view me or the other elders and pastors uh, that God has called to lead our church, but the Bible makes it clear that you are a flock of sheep that need to be shepherded and that we are a team of shepherds who will be held responsible someday for how well we shepherded you. Now, this might sound strange or seem strange, because um, you've never had any exposure or experience with sheep or shepherds. In fact, most of us probably have never seen a flock of sheep and have no idea what these animals are like or how they behave. But trust me, uh, there is no other animal that God created that is more like us than sheep. They're dirty. Sorry. This is a description of us now, right? Defenseless, directionless undiscerning, they're prone to sickness, they tend to stray, uh, they're easy prey, and sometimes they're just plain stupid. And um, some of you maybe have seen that video that was going around, it was viral on YouTube and other places of this, these little boys, you know, somewhere I think in Scotland or Ireland, their, their sheep, uh, one of their sheep got stuck in this rut, and they were doing everything they could to pull them out. And they, they, they finally pulled them out, and probably the dad got this on video. Well, that sheep took off thinking, and you're looking at it going, wow, he's so happy to be free. And he's gonna run off into the field and you know, find his friends. 
Well, he took about, you know, ran about 20 feet and then nosedived right back into that same ditch and got stuck. And of course, the analogy is that's us, right? We get ourselves stuck in these ditches and then God, by his grace, pulls us out. And what do we do? We go running right back into that ditch, diving right back in head first. And so we're not really familiar with sheep, nor are we familiar with the occupation of a shepherd, but there's no other profession that more accurately depicts the role of a pastor or elder than a shepherd. A shepherd is responsible to lead and to feed and to correct and comfort and guard and protect and rescue and care for sheep. And the survival of a flock ultimately depends on the shepherd doing his job. And while this, again, may be a a foreign concept to us, everyone in the Bible times or who lived in Bible times were, were very familiar with sheep and shepherds because it was an integral part of the agrarian culture in which they lived. Again, but to us, it, it may just kind of be a quaint, kind of antiquated image, right? Uh, little rural villages, blue skies, green pastures, things like that. Well, and I think the other issue that we have going against us is the church today has moved away from this whole idea of sheep and shepherds. And, and too many Christians, I think, have, have um, you know, this is a foreign concept to, to a lot of us. And, and I think it's hurt the church. Churches, it seems, more and more today are viewed as corporations or coffee shops, right? Place to hang out. Pastors are often seen as CEOs or celebrities or elders are seen as, as, as a board of directors or a management team. Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite Bible teachers, said it this way in one of his books. He said, quote, perhaps one reason some churches are in trouble today is their loss of the biblical concept of what they really are. He said, in our noble attempt to be relevant in a changing world, we've thoughtlessly abandoned the pastoral image of the shepherd and sheep and have blindly adopted the corporate image of the pastor as CEO, the elders as a board of directors, and the church family as customers to serve. Or maybe more accurately, to keep happy, right? In doing so, he says, we've quietly changed our expectations of what a minister and what a church ought to be and do. Well, in light of that, in order to make sure our church stays out of trouble, uh, as Wearsby says, and never abandons this biblical concept of, of what we ought to be and do, rather than abandoning the shepherd sheep imagery, I want to spend some time affirming it this morning and making sure we all clearly understand it. Because of all the images that God used in the Bible to describe his relationship with his people, the one he used most often is that of a shepherd and sheep. This is clearly God's favorite metaphor to help us visualize how we should relate to him, how we should relate to the spiritual leaders uh, that God places over us, and how we should relate to one, one another. And so what I want to do is uh, kind of have a little Bible study this morning, a little different than just uh, one passage and just kind of unpacking it. I want to, to, to show you how this theme of shepherding is weaved throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And I want to just quickly take you through both the Old and New Testaments and provide you with a theology of shepherding. Now that word theology may not be familiar to you or as familiar as you'd like, but basically a study of theology is intended to organize and to systematize everything God's word teaches about a particular subject. So you have bibliology, which is everything the Bible teaches about the Bible. You have Christology, which is everything the Bible teaches about Christ. You have pneumatology, everything the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. You've got hermardiology, everything the Bible has to say about sin. You've got soteriology, which is everything the Bible has to say about salvation. You've got ecclesiology, which is everything the Bible has to say about the church. And then you've got eschatology, which is everything the Bible has to say about future things, the end times. Well, this morning, I want to give you a shepherdology. A shepherdology, everything the Bible has to say about 
shepherds, and sheep. And I want to do that by just giving you five statements about shepherding. You have them in front of you if you grabbed uh, one of those sheets coming in. And I told you you might need this because it's a little more detailed of an outline than I normally use. But these um, points are adapted from a book that uh, us as elders read years ago, uh, a book by Timothy Whitmer called The Shepherd Leader, Achieving Effective Shepherding in Your Church. And he really helped us think through um, what does the Bible teach about our role as pastors uh, in shepherding the flock that God has entrusted to our care. So I want to give him uh, adequate uh, credit, credit to whom credit is due here, and helping us think through uh, this whole idea of shepherding. But let's look at these five statements and look at some scriptures together uh, that, uh, from where these uh, points come from. Number one, uh, and again, you're going to see as we go through, there's just a kind of a logical flow uh, in how we should think about this concept of shepherding. Number one, God likened himself to a shepherd of his people and his people to a flock under his care. God likened himself to a shepherd of his people and his people to a flock under his care. Now let's look at some verses that make this clear. Genesis chapter 48, verse 15. This is God's word to to Joseph. He blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. So this is Joseph being blessed by Jacob. Look at Psalm 23. We know this psalm maybe by heart. This is maybe all the verse we would have to need, the only passage we'd have to, to read. But Psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my, what? Shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The title of my Bible is The Lord, the Psalmist Shepherd. Continuing in the Psalm, Psalm 78, verse 52. But he led forth his own people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And then right there in the same neighborhood, Psalm 80, Psalm 80, verse 1. Oh, give ear, shepherd of Israel. You who lead Joseph like a flock. Psalm 95. Psalm 95, verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Then moving into the prophets, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. And then, of course, the familiar passage in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All of us, like what? Sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of Saul to fall on him. And so it's very clear in the Old Testament here that God likened himself to a shepherd of his people and his people to a flock under his care. That's number one. Number two, God described those he called to lead and care for his people as shepherds. So God called certain people to lead and care for his people, and he described them as shepherds. Moses, probably the most well-known leader of the nation of Israel, listen to what Psalm 77 verse 20 says about him. Psalm 77 verse 20, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses, 
and Aaron. So God was leading his people like a flock, and he was using Moses and Aaron to do that. They were the shepherds of Israel for that season of leadership. Another one of those leaders that God raised up was David. And in Psalm 78, verse 72, right there, where you're already at, Psalm 78, verse 72. So he shepherded them according, this is talking about David, David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. So both Moses and David were called by God to shepherd his sheep. And ironically, they were called by God while they were shepherding real sheep, literal sheep. When they were overseeing flocks, Moses, remember, was had been spent 40 years in the wilderness shepherding flocks when God called him to shepherd his flock. David was a shepherd boy, right? Shepherding the flocks in the field for his family when God called him to shepherd the flock of Israel to be the next king. So God prepared them, Moses, both Moses and David, to shepherd his sheep by working with real sheep. I'm not sure I should go take a sabbatical somewhere to New Zealand, perhaps, and learn what it's like to shepherd a flock of sheep, but I've read some good books about it, and that's been very helpful. But again, what are we talking about here? God described those he called to lead and care for his people as shepherds. Number three, human shepherds often failed and needed to be replaced. Human shepherds often failed and needed to be replaced. Let's talk about Moses. How did he fail? Well, he struck the rock in anger, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock, right? Spoke to, to get water, looking for water uh, for the people, and they were complaining like they were so uh, uh, used to doing, and he was frustrated with them, and so rather than obeying the word of the Lord, he struck the rock in anger, which disqualified him from leading the nation of Israel into the promised land. And we know that God replaced Moses with who? With Joshua. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered her husband Uriah, which undermined his leadership of the nation of Israel, and things went downhill after that. David was the best king that Israel ever had, and after that, nobody even came close. In fact, look at the book of Ezekiel a book that we don't often look at, but Ezekiel 34. And this is a picture of what happened as a result, ultimately, I think, of David's failure as the king of Israel. This is what the state of Israel was like under their leaders, under their kings, under their priests, all those that God had intended to, had raised up to lead and to shepherd his people, this was the state of Israel, according to the prophet Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel 34, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. In other words, confront the shepherds. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. In other words, they were using their role as a shepherd to their own advantage, and they were, they were abusing the flock. Verse 4, those who are sickly, you have not strengthened, and the disease you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth and there was no one to search or, search or seek for them. 
Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for the lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds and I'll demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep so the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from, the, from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. It's a sad day when the sheep have to be rescued from the shepherds. Right? It should be the shepherds who are rescuing the sheep. But then notice the good news. In other words, you guys are done. You blew it. Uh, I can't trust you anymore, my sheep. I'm going to take my, my flock back and shepherd them myself. And listen how he describes that in verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they are scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, verse 15, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. Notice verse 23 and 24. How is he going to do this practically? What does this look like practically? Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd, and I, will, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Verse 30, 31 then they will know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord my God. As for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pastor, you are men and I am your God, declares the Lord God. Who is this servant David he's referring to? Is it David? No. It's Jesus. God replaced David with Jesus. God replaced Moses with Joshua. He replaced David with Jesus. And that brings us to our fourth point here, our fourth statement, that because human shepherds often failed and needed to be replaced, Jesus Christ is the perfect shepherd God promised to raise up to care for his people who laid down his life for them. So Jesus was the one that God was speaking to Ezekiel about. And we know that because of the New Testament and what the New Testament says, Matthew chapter 2 Verses 5 and 6. This is what the Magi said in Bethlehem, o to Herod, in Bethlehem, o for this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, and by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This was a prophecy of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus obviously performed that role, served in that role. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, seeing the people, he felt, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a, what? A shepherd. Probably the most vivid um, language or picture of Jesus as a shepherd is found in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus himself said, I am the, what? The good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Sounds like the Old Testament shepherds, doesn't it? 
He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they'll become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life so that I may take it again. Look at Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25, another reference to Christ as the shepherd, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. This is in the context of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 5, verse 4, Peter talks about Jesus being the chief shepherd who would appear and give those faithful earthly shepherds, pastors and elders, uh, an unfading crown of glory for their faithful work. And then one other passage here, Hebrews chapter 13. You're right there in 1 Peter. Just turn back to Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Again, we're just doing a survey here of the scriptures and this concept of sheep and shepherds. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep. Who did he bring up from the dead, right? Jesus, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, All those verses point to this fact that Jesus Christ is the perfect shepherd, the great shepherd, the the good shepherd, um, the chief shepherd that God promised to raise up to care for his people and ultimately to lay down his life for the sheep. Last statement here, pulling it all together. Jesus commissioned men to serve as his under-shepherds, and they will be called to account when he returns. You see where we're going here? God sets this whole thing up. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. He brings other men into the mix, right? They fail. He raises up Jesus. Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. He plants his church, if you will, and then he entrusts to other men, right, the role of under-shepherd. And he commissioned them to serve him, to shepherd his flock, and they'll be called to an account when he returns. Peter, for example, went from catching fish uh, to shepherding sheep. You remember in John chapter 21, after Jesus had died and um, Peter had denied the Lord, he went back to fishing, right? He went back to Galilee in John chapter 21. And in verse 15, Jesus had a, a come to Jesus, right? Peter had a come to Jesus meeting, if you will, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than what? Well, perhaps the fish um, or the other men. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So it was very clear. Jesus made it very clear. Peter, you no longer are a fisherman. You are a shepherd. Your life no longer revolves around fish. It revolves around sheep. And so when it came to him writing a letter, which we're going to be getting into, Lord willing, here in a few weeks, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, this is what he said to his fellow shepherds. I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. You, you got to know he was thinking when he penned that line, he was thinking about that time he was sitting there having breakfast with Jesus. And Jesus was holding his feet to the fire right? Saying, hey, I want you to shepherd my sheep. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. 
So Peter was one of those under-shepherds that Jesus commissioned to, to tend his flock. Paul was another one. Paul was another one of those under-shepherds that Christ commissioned. Paul went from terrorizing Christians to tending Christians. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, this is what Paul said to the elders in the church in Ephesus. He said, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So Paul was reminding the elders, hey, this is a holy task. These aren't your sheep. This isn't your flock. This is God's flock. These are his sheep. He died for these people. That alone should make us take our responsibility as pastors and elders very seriously. You're people for whom Christ died. And whether or not Paul wrote he, uh, he, the book of Hebrews, some are convinced that he, that he, that he did, but regardless, it's, it's very Pauline, if you will, in, in the way it sounds. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, 17, this may have been the words of Paul, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So we've got Peter, we've got Paul. Another one of those under-shepherds that Jesus commissioned was the Apostle John, who faithfully served as the pastor in Ephesus for many, many years until he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, where God gave him a vision of the eternal reign of the shepherd Savior. Look at Revelation chapter 7. Told you this goes from Genesis to Revelation. Here's the, here's the Revelation one. Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. We know all about the Lamb, right? When we get to heaven, there's going to be the Lamb of God sitting on his throne, the Lamb that was slain. Well, check this irony out. The Lamb in the center of the throne will be their what? Shepherd. In other words, Jesus is not just. The lamb that was slain, he's also our shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So this is a profound irony here that that the good shepherd became a sheep and was slaughtered in the place of God's sheep And God raised him from the dead as the great shepherd who will return and reign forever as the chief shepherd. You say, why why are you taking all this time to talk about sheep and shepherds? Well, number one, I want you to see that it's all over the place in Scripture. You can't miss it. But also, I think it benefits both the shepherds and the sheep when we clearly understand and practically apply these truths. And these five statements about shepherding serve as the foundation and motivation for all that we do here at Lakeside Bible Church. I mean, in other words, they're, they're, they're the things, that they're, they're what ground us, they're, they're what drive us as a church. And what I mean by that is one of the first things we did when we started Lakeside over 20 years ago was to develop a way to shepherd the people that God had entrusted to us and would continue to entrust to us over the years, in the years to come. And it was our desire, and it still is, that God's people would be well-tended and well-cared for. And so to make sure that that happened, we, we sought to come up with a well-organized and well-orchestrated shepherding plan. Because we knew right off the bat, three elders, 150 sheep, three shepherds, 150 sheep, that's, that's, not, that's not a good, uh, those aren't good odds. And so we're going to need some help. That was our initial group, was 150 sheep. And so we said, hey, what, how can we shepherd, three guys shepherd all these people? We can't. 
And so he enlisted the help of other godly, mature couples within the, the church, and we trained them, we equipped them to lead small groups, which we decided to call grow groups, because the goal is we wanted to make sure it wasn't just small groups or life groups or whatever, but it was like very intentional. Hey, the whole purpose for being in a small group is to grow, to grow, to become like Jesus. That's what discipleship is, isn't it? Discipleship is simply helping each other grow to become more like Jesus. And that's the, 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 the method to our madness when it comes to grow groups. What are we trying to accomplish? Trying to help people become more like Jesus. So grow groups. And so grow groups are at the core of our, of our shepherding strategy. And again, for those of you that have been coming to Lakeside for years, like, okay, Ken, let's just get to it. Let us get up and sign the clipboards. We, we, we got a lot of new people here. And we want to make sure everybody understands where we're coming from and why we do this and not just go through the motions mindlessly. But hey, there's a reason. This is very deliberate. This is very intentional. And more importantly, it's very biblical. Our goal is that everyone who considers Lakeside their home church, that they would get plugged into a grow group. They would be part of a grow group. In fact, um, most of us as pastors and elders keep this in the front of our Bibles or handy somewhere. And this right here, some of you have seen this before, so others of you haven't seen this before. Uh, this is kind of like, right, the coach has his little thing in the back pocket. He pulls it out, kind of sees the team, who he's got to work with, right? Who can I put in, right? Okay, I can't use him. I used him yesterday. I got to use this guy now, right? The manager. Anyway, this is our little shepherd. This is our grow group roster. And what this is, is everybody who's in our directory, and if you are a member or regular tender of Lakeside Bible Church, you are in our directory. And that's simply so that we can communicate with you when there's news. We want to send an email, make a phone call, those kinds of things. We, we want you on our directory. Well, everybody who's on our directory gets on this grow group roster. And everybody gets put in a group. And uh, we encourage you to put yourself in a group. And so we don't mandate, okay, you're in this group and you're in this group, right? We say, no, you're free to choose. That's why we have grow group signups. Um, but we want to make sure that everyone is assigned to a group. Everyone is, is connected to a group. And, and uh, along, the cro uh, along the top is all the elders, all the shepherds, if you will, the pastors and elders, all the shepherds. And then under that are some of the, the under shepherds as well. I mean, we're all under shepherds under Christ, but some of the other men in the church who aren't necessarily elders um, or pastors, but they serve as grow group leaders. They're on here as well. And then everyone else lined up underneath a shepherd. In other words, we've taken the entire flock of whatever, 200 families, and said, let's divide them up in small flocks, smaller flocks, right? Little flock over there, little flock over there, little flock over there, little flock over there. And okay, you're in charge of that flock. You're in charge of your shepherding that flock, right? so that everyone's getting cared for, nobody's slipping through the cracks. And really, what are we, what are we doing here? That, in fact, we have on the bottom of this, just to remind ourselves, Acts 20, 28, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Some of you are thinking, honey, let's get out of here. This is a cult. I knew it. I knew it was a cult. Let's run. Right? Because uh, unfortunately, this kind of deliberate, intentional shepherding uh, doesn't happen very often in the church today. And, and either, either people have gotten used to not having it or they, they don't want it. And so this kind of thing has been accused of, oh, they're already, you know, they're always meddling in your business. You know, they're trying to, you know, micromanage your life and all that kind of stuff. That, that's not our heart at all. Hopefully we have the heart of God that by providing you shepherding care, we're, we're seeking to reflect God's heart by guarding your soul. That's what the chief, that's what the shepherd does, right? He, he's the guardian of your soul. We're, we're trying to guard your soul. And we're trying to help you grow to be more pleasing to the Lord. And so that's why we tell people, hey, listen, if you are coming to Lakeside, there's two things that we want you to do. 
I mean, there's a lot of things that we offer, a lot of different programs, lots of different events, activities. We know you can't do it all, but if you can only do two things, come to church on Sunday morning, good job, you made it, you're here, and then be involved in the grow group. And all of our grow groups, they either meet every week or every other week, but uh, that, that's key, because guess what? You know, you could come to this group every Sunday and, and still slip through the cracks, that you could come and go and nobody really knows you. Uh, you have something that you need help with, whether it's a physical illness or uh, a situation in your family, your marriage, whatever. Um, and, and guess what? Nobody cares for you. Nobody helps you. Why? Because nobody knows that, you have that, that you're going through that. How, how, how would we know that? Well, because you're plugged into a, a grow group. You got connected to a group, a smaller group of people who kind of know you. And they know what you're going through and they know what's happening in your life. And so, oh, you're, getting, you, you're having a baby. Great. Awesome. Let's, let's make sure we get some meals coming to your house after you come home, right? Something simple like that. Or, hey, yeah, you're having a hard time in your, in your marriage or in your family. Hey, let's pray for you. Let's support you. Let's encourage you through this time. I sit here and judge you for that. We want to help you. We want to walk with you through this trial in your life. And it's proven itself time and time again, we've seen it for years now, that those who get plugged into a grow group feel better connected to our church and they feel better cared for by our church. And unfortunately, those who don't plug into a grow group often feel disconnected and uncared for and they end up leaving, typically, because they made no real close connections, no real friendships, relationships with other people in the church. Bottom line, guys, listen, grow groups help us shepherd you more effectively and help you grow more spiritually. Everyone should have one of these within an arm's length. Got it? Grab it. If you haven't already grabbed it, grab it somewhere on a chair next to you. On a chair next to you is one of these little sheets, okay? And not to uh, insult your intelligence, but I want to read this with you, okay? Because I know sometimes we hand stuff to you, and you're like, okay, you stick that in your Bible, and you actually never read it, right? But let's read it together, because this is, we really, I mean, we tried to simplify this, summarize this in a really practical way, and it's time to get plugged in. Why? Our grow groups are designed to effectively shepherd and disciple everyone who considers Lakeside Bible Church their home. It is our desire to create a context where four things can happen. What are the four things we're gunning for? Number one, we want you to connect. We want to help people build close, edifying relationships. Number two, we want to care for you. We want to help people to practice the one another's of Scripture. Serve one another. Minister to one another. We want to counsel you. We want to help people understand and apply God's word to their lives. That's why every one of our grow groups is either doing sermon application. That's why I do those sheets with the application questions. I have our grow groups in mind that you will be using those throughout the week to talk about the sermon and work through it. Hey, so what? The pastor said this. Well, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to put this into practice in our life? One of the things Bible churches are guilty of is just another Bible study. And, and all we're doing is taking in truth, taking in truth, taking in truth, and we don't ever have the time to get off the merry-go-round, if you will, or, or the carousel, and just say, whoa, time out. I heard a message this week. I, re- I, I memorized a verse this week. How should that be making a difference in the way I treat my spouse, in the way I uh, deal, interact with my, the rest of my family members, how, uh, wh- how I you know, share the gospel with my neighbor? Um, how do I think about this trial that I'm in, Right? So we want to help you do that. Or if you're not doing sermon applications, some grow groups are studying another uh, book of the Bible usually and hopefully making application of that as well. And then ultimately, what are we going for here? We're going for change, helping people along the path of spiritual maturity. There's no better way to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ than being in a dynamic discipleship environment Provided by a grow group. That's what we're trying to create is disciple, an environment for discipleship to take place. What is discipleship again? It's people helping one another grow to become more like Jesus. And you can fly under the radar 
for a year, for months and years here at this church by just coming here on Sunday morning. But when you plug into a grow group, right, you can no longer fly under the radar. You're saying, hey, I'm here. I want to be, I want to know you. I want you to know me. And uh, I want to help you become more like Jesus. I need you to help me become more like Jesus, right? And so I'm plugging in here because I want to be part of this discipleship environment where I can grow to become more like Christ. So all that to say, every new school year, we give you guys all an opportunity, we give everybody in our church an opportunity to sign up, um, to plug in to one of our grow groups. And so uh, we have uh, a lot of the same groups continuing on, soldiering on. Uh, some of you are like, yeah, I already know, I'm good. We've been talking all summer, our grow group, we've been staying in touch. In fact, we didn't even stop meeting. I'm in a grow group, I know which one I'm in. Um, we would still encourage you to come and recommit, Okay. I know the, your grow group leader is going to be up here in a second. They'll appreciate seeing you saying hi. You come up and just reaffirm, yeah, I'll be there, planning on being in your group this fall. So what are the groups here? And, uh, and by the way, let me say this before I bring these guys up. Um, you may say, yeah, whatever, I ain't doing that. Just so you know, you will be assigned to a group, <laughs> whether you want to or be or not. We're giving you the freedom to go wherever you want to go. But because we love you so much, we're not going to let you just like float around here and not have any shepherd who's responsible for you. And so we're going to say, see that guy over there? See that gal over there? She's avoiding shepherding. So I'm just kidding. We don't say that. We don't talk like that. I'm joking. Okay. The point is we will assign you. Why? Just to make sure that someone has an eye on you. And that's a good thing. You're like, yeah, see, I knew this was a cult. And see, they're meddling. They're meddling in my life. They want to get in my life and, and mess with me. No, listen, that's what shepherds do. They love their sheep. And so they're always watching to make sure. It's not like we're on some witch hunt looking for somebody to get on. Whack. Oh, there is a whack. That's not the point. It's like, hey, we love you guys. We're hey, that, we haven't seen, where, where's so, we haven't seen so-and-so for a little while. Little Johnny Sheep, where's Johnny Sheep? I don't know. Well, have you seen John? I haven't seen Johnny Sheep. Well, we better go look for him. If you ever come into our office center, there's a beautiful painting that uh, I don't even know where I found it, but years ago, I saw it and thought, man, I want that in our office center because that reflects my heart and I hope the heart of our entire church, and it's a picture of the lost sheep. Somebody painted this picture of lost sheep, and, and go, in, go in the office center sometime and take a look. You've got to kind of get close to see what's going on, but uh, it, it's a beautiful painting of, of, this, of this meadow with this flock of sheep. And that's what your eyes immediately go to first, but then as you look closer, this meadow goes up onto this cliff, and you see this little sheep who's stuck in this little crevice in a rock up high on this ledge, and around the corner is the shepherd coming. The shepherd's coming. He's coming to rescue. He was down there with his 99 sheep, right? But he looked around, he's like, 99? Hey, where's, where's, where's 100? He's missing, Right? So he starts looking around, and he goes after him to go find him, to rescue him and bring him back to safety. And so, again, why would we assign you to a group? Well, it's only if you don't sign up <laughs> we assign you. So we're giving you a chance to sign up. And uh, hopefully this doesn't sound um, like martial law or something like we're, we're establishing here, but it's out of love for your souls. And really, ultimately, we're just trying to follow the biblical pattern. Do you see it? I don't know how you can miss it, Right? So we're trying to do our part, you do your part, and uh, the Lord will bless it. So I'm going to invite the grow group leaders to come up and stand by their little clipboard, and we're going to let you guys out here a little early so you can come and sign up. Uh, we want you to, maybe, maybe this is all coming to you, um, you know, at, uh, at, you, uh, at 100 miles an hour, like, whoa, 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 I didn't even know this was coming. I got to think about this. I got to pray about that. That's good. Pray about it. We want you to pray about it. Lord, which one of these groups should I plug in with? And so let me give you a quick overview here. Uh, Chris Steyer and Marco Morales meet on Wednesday nights here at the church, um, and they do sermon application. So Wednesday night, 6.30. Um, John Inger, where's he at? Am I missing John Inger? Oh, he's in the other building over there. So John Inger's group meets on Sunday nights, 5.45, down in the Woodlands. 
For those of you who got, I know we got some Woodlands folks coming up here. Um, Tyler Jacobs, Rusty Cook's group meets Sunday after church, every other Sunday. Uh, they usually meet over in the uh, worship center, um, along with uh, the Goins, the Goins and, and Donald Avery's group. They do the same thing every other Sunday. Um, I think they flip-flop, so that's convenient right after church. Uh, Brinkman and Stevens group, Fred Brinkman and Bill Stevens, where are you guys? Oh, there they are, over there. They meet on uh, Sunday nights, right? Sunday nights, and they're an every week group. No, every other week group. Yeah, okay. So every other week, they used to be an every week group. They're getting older, right? Slowing down a little bit. Is that what's happening? Yeah, okay, just checking. Um, but they have a great group, um, meets over in Del Lago, um, which is right down the road. They move around a little bit sometimes too. Sunday nights at five. Um, a new group, Dwight Wingate. We lost a group out on the 1097 quarter, Willis, Bentwater. So we got a new group over there. Dwight, where are you? There's Dwight and Joyce. And so they're going to have a group over there. And that's going to be meeting on Thursday nights. So um, 630. Uh, I lead a group on Wednesday nights. And uh, whether it's here or at a home in the area, kind of Montgomery is uh, where we're at here on Wednesday nights, 6.30 every week, um, similar to Chris's group. Uh, Tom Walters, uh, Tuesday night, 6.30. Where you at? Tom's over there. Thank you, Tom. And uh, if you want to have some good eats, you go to Tom's group. They got good food going on there. But uh, going through the Gospel of John right now, uh, George Hepner's group on Mondays going through Isaiah. So that's Monday nights here at the church. Um, Chris DeLagula, Friday night, uh, they meet all over the place. Connor Willis, if you can find them, you can go. That's pretty much how Chris's group happens, right? If you can find them, you can go. And then Sam Hinojosa's group, uh, they meet on Thursday nights, uh, weekly. They have dinner, babysitting. So just look through this little list here on the back. It has all the details, and you may choose your group because of the, the location. Hey, that's right by my house. That makes sense. We try to have them all over the place, so you can just go to one that's convenient, or maybe you already have a relationship with one of the leaders, so you're like, hey, I already know that guy. I want to go to his group. Um, or maybe it's the subject. You're like, hey, I want to do sermon application. Or, hey, I want to study the book of John. Or I, I want to you know, look at the different subjects that they're studying. And so um, you, know, you can pick uh, maybe, or maybe you need child care, right? It's, it's like, or stage of life. You know, those are the kind of the middle-aged folks. I want to go there. We're kind of in the same stage of life, whatever. However you choose, right? We don't care. We just want you to choose one and plug in, okay? So I'm going to pray and dismiss us, and I want to encourage you to rush these tables, just kidding, um, and sign up. You'll be able to do it next week as well, so if you can't get around it today, be thinking and praying about it this week, and make sure you sign up next week, but if you know where you're going, do it right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time that we've been able to just rethink, and to be reminded of, hopefully stirred up by way of reminder about uh, you being our shepherd through Christ, and uh, us being the sheep who are desperately in need of a shepherd. And so, uh, and then just your wisdom in, in setting up the church of Jesus Christ and how it has under shepherds and sheep. And, and uh, Lord, this is just our way, you know, of trying to be faithful to do what you've called us to do and the way you designed the church to function. And so I pray that we would all understand that and, and do it with joy and, and uh, excitement and enthusiasm and uh, we would be faithful, Lord, and uh, that you would bless uh, our desire and our commitment to try to line ourselves up as closely with the model that we see in Scripture of shepherd and sheep as possible. And so um, that there would be great growth that comes in all of our lives because of the interactions that we share on a weekly or every other week basis uh, in our grow groups. And so, Lord, would you excite uh, uh, this flock uh, for uh, the privilege uh, that we have to grow together as sheep and shepherds uh, under Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.